Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here, and I have got Tim Patrickin on the podcast. He is the CEO and co-founder of Ampersam Health. He's served as the Executive Vice President of Ambulatory Care Services, previously Chief Transformation Officer of Vanguard Health Systems. He also co-founded eCancer Care, formerly known as uh, eHealthcare, served as its CEO as well. He's served as Vice President of Development at Ambulatory Resources Center, which he also helped be part of the startup team since 97, and they grew it to 38 centers. He's no doubt an innovator and an entrepreneur in healthcare that's making a difference. And it's a true pleasure to have uh, Tim on the podcast. So Tim, welcome to the Occam's Rocket. Well, thank you for having me, Saul. I'm, I'm excited to spend this time with you. Hey, absolutely. A pleasure to have you here. So anything that I missed in that intro that maybe you want to cover with the listeners? You know, people always miss the most important part of my bio is that, you know, 25 years ago, before getting into this healthcare thing, I was a retailer. And, you know, you talk about dated industries, people refer to the buggy whip a lot. Well, I sold saddles. Huh. I'm still a frustrated retailer. I love that business, but uh, I've been out of it a long time. But it's a, it's a big step to go from uh, selling saddles to uh, the healthcare industry. So uh, I'm still learning, but people always forget that I'm a saddle salesman at heart. <laughs> I love it. So that's very interesting. So how long were you in the saddle business for? Well, I kind of grew up around horses and riding. So you know, uh-huh. I consider it kind of a passion and it was a, a hobby, but I thought I was going to be the Jay Peterman of equestrian. Where and so I, I did that for about five years until I realized it was a it was a really really bad job. <laughs> well, hey, you know the the important thing is that you changed direction and and so now you're here. It's uh, the bulk of what you've done. You've started several companies. You've added value to the healthcare system. What would you say is a hot topic that needs to be on healthcare leaders' agenda today? And how are you guys addressing it at Ampersand? Well, you know, some of it's born out of frustration. And the frustration is, I really don't think we've done enough in healthcare and we've created enough value. And that value really being improved health. I mean, we all ought to be embarrassed as an industry with our health outcomes and the investments we've made, the work we do in this incredible country with the incredible talent we have and resources at our uh, disposal, we just haven't done enough. And, and that's really kind of a driver. And the, the somewhat crusade that I'm on is uh, the impact I want to make is not just uh, economic value. I think that healthcare is a great industry because you can do well while doing good. But we have to put that at the forefront of everything we do is, are we improving health outcomes? And that, that's just a critical factor. And so I don't feel like in 25 years, candidly, uh, we've done enough. And that's what's going to uh, drive me, hopefully, for the next 20, 25 years. Well, it's good to have. I hope it doesn't take that long, by the way. <laughs> no, man. You know, I hope so. I hope it doesn't either. So I'd love to hear you uh, talk about Ampersand, level set with the listeners. What do you guys do? How are you adding value by doing things differently? You know, we're taking a very common sense approach in how to integrate 
solutions, and we kind of consider ourselves as a solutions platform for uh, Medicaid beneficiaries. So we, we spend 100% of our time in Medicaid. And how are we bringing solutions to the communities we serve and, and trying to take a very common sense uh, member-based approach to that versus a provider-forward approach, which I think is, is historically the way healthcare has approached things. And we take, we learn. I mean, I, I can't tell you that we know Every answer on what works, we keep discovering. We, we're an organization that wants to fail quickly and inexpensively and not repeat it. And yes. rather than design these perfect, beautiful, elegant solutions and then discover they don't work and we spend all of our time protecting the process that we went through and supporting a bad decision, we think we can do that uh, much easier. And the, the other thing I'd say that makes us unique, and, and I'll discuss kind of our solutions platform, but is our belief in segmentation of customers, understanding our customers better than, than and, and I, you know, I think that's constantly learning about them and bringing solutions that are designed specifically for them. And my specific point is that, that you cannot simply apply Medicare or commercial solutions to a Medicaid population, and I think vice versa. I think that each of those customer segments requires different solutions, and that's one of the approaches we're taking. And secondly, I think our, our, our platform, by being an integrator of technology versus developer of technologies, is the thing we've decided is there's enough great solutions out there for anything you want to do there's a half a dozen really good solutions. And I applaud the industry for having those. They tend to be point solutions and in, in and of themselves less effective. If we put them together and apply those solutions, we can do it both cost effectively and enhance the effectiveness of any one point solution on its own. So that's kind of our, our belief around technology. And then finally, I think we, what we really look at in our population, particularly since there's 75 million people, about 26% of the population that that would be represented uh, by Medicaid is, is you have to scale and you have to know a lot about people. So data becomes critical in multiple forms and with a largely unbanked population, some of the behavioral data is the toughest data to get, but clinical and and claims data is not very hard. So, so we're really focused in those areas of uh, integrating technology, applying and analyzing data to know more about our customers, and developing solutions that are specifically targeted to the needs of people that candidly are impoverished and, and tend to be vulnerable. Tim, uh, love the focus and very insightful. You know, you, you definitely laid on some major, major nuggets of wisdom here. If you build it, they won't come. And there's so much stuff out there that implementation is the real innovation in, in healthcare. And so I love that you've taken this no-nonsense approach and are tackling the issues head-on by integrating. Give us an example of, of what you've done, how it's been different, and how it's created results. Yeah, well, let me give you the, the first example about what we've done is we've abandoned the idea of, of a uh, medical or uh, clinic of being the hub of everything that happens. Okay. So think about this. Think about the fact that what we've tried to do historically is what we, we've been there for people to reactively select and decide they needed care. I mean, that's how it happens. I'm too sick to handle it myself 
or through over-the-counter drugs or I didn't heal. So I seek care at a facility that's located conveniently for a provider of that care that has some training, education, and, and certification or licensure to deliver that. Mm-hmm. We've just abandoned that whole idea and said, okay, how do I, how do I get to you where you are proactively allow you to react when you need help, not be kind of, you know, so much a part of your life, you're annoying, but how do I become part of that? And so, so our first approach is kind of how we, we simply approach members and we call them members because we, we, we don't want to wait until they're a patient. Candidly, that that's failure to us. It will happen, but that's failure. How do we get to members early? And so we, we've adopted the idea we want to own their phone and we want to be in the community aggregation points for them that they normally, we say, live, work, play, and worship. And so that's around uh, churches, grocery stores, uh, right now schools and daycares is really kind of where, where we like to put ourselves with uh, resources. And so that's the first step is how do we change the mindset of our approach instead of sitting back waiting for someone to self-diagnose themselves as too sick to heal themselves? That's kind of the first critical factor. When you fully adopt that, and we have not, I mean, we fight this cultural battle every day because of the gravitational force and pull of the clinic and the facility around healthcare. But that's kind of where we push that forward. And so if you think about that lens, the world gets different. We don't go into homes and we don't go into work sites. There's different reasons for that, probably a longer conversation. But uh, we go to aggregation points where people mm-hmm. are, are, are congregating and live because we think there's power to that. So every tool we look at has to be through those lenses. Not interested in apps, portals, or anything someone has to do. We watch people. How do they communicate with one another? And we want to be in whatever app or whatever way they normally do it. And that's generally the SMS function on their phone or it's, it's voice. Increasingly, some of it has video, but, but still rare. People want to do things. The you know, asymmetry of communication via text seems to really have grabbed people. So that's where we want to live, on the phone and be a part of their lives in a way they can outreach that they don't have to have. And then finally, I'd say when they do need care is they need it in a time frame that they want it, which generally means I have the ability for someone to walk in and receive care. And so you have to design your business to be able to allow for that and work within uh, the payment mechanisms to do that. But no one wants an appointment three weeks from Tuesday. Right. At two in the afternoon when they're at work. Or a lot of our folks that are, that are um, part of the a non-exempt workforce, they don't know what their schedule is in three weeks. So they need to be able to walk in now and receive care. So you have to design the whole system around the population you're seeking to serve, not around the provider that's delivering the care. Yeah, I think that's a really great call out. So Tim, what's a typical value point that you guys offer? So you, you meet people where they are, you want to live in their phones. What are you doing for them? Yeah, that's great. So we, we're generally finding areas. Now, obviously, in, in a Medicaid population, we, we work with lots of moms and kids. So you're looking proactively to take the measures that from a policy standpoint and from an evidence-based medicine standpoint, you want to do. So you, we are proactive about well people interacting with us to get vaccines, to get different screenings and testing. In the Northeast, where we are, lead testing is big. 
So part of that is just proactive. Secondly, it's how do we address care earlier? There's a lot of delayed care within the community, and uh, then it's a higher acuity visit. It's more severe. It's more expensive and uh, more disruptive to people's lives. So the first thing we use, and we talk about when we own the phone, we want to just start a conversation. We don't know if that's a deep, trusting relationship, but we want to have a conversation. And so that's really what we're trying to do. And we want to be a part of that conversation around health. The next thing we really focus on is where there are challenges, uh, primarily around chronic disease. We have, it's really a pandemic of uh, diabetes, hypertension, and asthma in uh, these inner city zip codes that we work in. And we need to help people with the resources to self-manage their care. Those are all diseases that can be managed. If unmanaged, they get really expensive and people get really sick, but they can be self-managed. And we want to help them self-manage their disease and provide them the tools and the confidence and the knowledge because we are dealing with low health literacy oftentimes in these communities because they haven't had the access and exposure that other communities have had. So how do we provide that knowledge? And then finally, how are we there when they need us? And so where are we really delivering primary care that's accessible in a way they want to access care and providing the capacity to take the time when it's needed? So we're trying to avoid primary care delivered in the emergency room. We have nothing against emergency rooms. We love them. We just want them to handle emergencies. And I think most emergency rooms want to do the same. How do we provide for that? And there really isn't much of that in the inner cities today from a primary care standpoint. So we do have to deliver traditional care as part of this. But ultimately, I think it's those things. We're proactively reaching out with a conversation. We are heavy into self-care management. And finally, we're there when you need us when you're sick in a way that is approachable and affordable. Yeah, I think a uh, very valuable discussion here, folks, um, in addressing this, the need for more responsive and meet you where you are. Primary care models is definitely crucial. Tim Ampersand and, and the company that he and his team run are really doing just that. I'll tell you what, Tim, I'm tired of emails. And when somebody does reach out to me via text, I'm more likely to respond. And so I, I definitely get what you're saying with that. And as a consumer, that resonates with me. Now, you know, I think it's truly valuable to have more people that were selling saddles <laughs> to join us in healthcare <laughs> because it is the basics of consumerism that we're missing. So, Tim, thanks for bringing that common sense that it really is kind of uncommon and uh, appreciate you doing that. Well, so I'll tell you one funny thing that, that I spend most of my time doing yeah. Editing text conversations. Okay. So, and, and, and what, what I'm going to have to end up doing is retraining AI because we are using AI in the conversations uh, back and forth, and, and they're interesting. But for some reason, we want to train the AI to speak in some way. And so, you know, Queen's English that no one actually speaks. And there's something to a very colloquial approach yeah. to the population. And I spend I argued for a week with a PhD behavioral scientist about why we should just say, hey, instead of hello, with a comma, and uh, starting a text. And in that text campaign, we had fewer opt-outs 
and a higher percentage of responses than they'd ever seen. And we Love simply it. were we're speaking the way any of us would look at our texts and our phones. Love it. And you got to communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with and the way they communicate naturally, because that's how you build trust. Love that. I'm going to give that an amen, my friend, because it is truly impactful. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you got better uptake. And something that we need to be thinking about more, right? So if you're an executive thinking about how you're going to more effectively influence and and lead your teams, something to keep in mind too, right? Meet them where they are. If you're a physician looking to more productively influence your patients, meet them where they are. Hey versus hello, comma. Super, super insightful. It's the small things, Tim, but you guys are doing them. What would you say is, is an example of, of a setback you guys had and uh, what you learned from it? We have them every day, but the, the, <laughs> you know, the big ones I highlight, um, yeah. and, and we like to have them, it's, it's a problem is it, it takes a long time for people in the organization to learn that it's okay to make mistakes. Look, we don't want to make clinical mistakes, and that's, right. that's an area where we do seek perfection and we don't want to ever harm anyone, but, but when it's an approach like we're taking, it's, um, you know, a lot of the mistakes are over-designed them. And we've done that. We over-designed, we hired, I won't call out any, any names, but you know, we, we had the good fortune at Vanguard as a fortune 500 company to have a wealth of resources and a great deal of support from a, a visionary CEO and, a, and strategy officer. And so we hired these firms and they do all this great work and design work. And the first thing, and we design these care teams and people want to be healthy. And what you realize very quickly, and I'm glad we did, it was our only survival, is that no one want, wanted a care team. No one knew what a care team was. No one actually wanted to, to the other thing we had is a really cool advertising go-to-market campaign around health and improving health. No one actually wanted to buy help. Yeah. What they wanted you to do is just be there when they needed you. Just could, could you just do that? So we over-designed this idea and we got caught up in what I kind of call the TED speak of the world of all this beautiful design. And we forgot where, what the member really wanted. And we weren't listening to what the member really wanted. And they just wanted you to be there. And then when you were there, then you could build upon that. And the other funny thing I, I see, and this is the industry thing, is now we're going to try to to meet all of these value-based metrics in alternative payment models. And the other funny mistake in the example of that is, you know, I shadowed one of our physicians and a member had a sore throat. And we tried to deliver care telephonically for them and help them with some solutions, but they just it, they persisted, wanted to have an appointment. They came into the appointment. We did this really smart thing in the industry. We max packed the visit to close all the gaps in care. And the member looked at me at the end and said, I don't know what kind of place you're running here, but I came in with a sore throat and I'm leaving with a mammography and a colonoscopy. I don't want any of this. And so what we, we also learned is meet them outside of that sick visit for the well care and the screening that we believe is valuable and the evidence shows is valuable. Separate the two. So here's an, an industry idea of combining them that's a dissatisfier. Yeah. So now I'm going to have a harder time bringing that member back in for something or them approaching us because, they, look, they just want to get fixed for whatever's wrong with them. Today, they just want to feel better. 
Yeah. They don't need all this stuff that the industry prescribes. So we have to approach them differently with those. So those are some of the kind of over-design, listening to the echo chamber of what people should need versus just watching people and listening to what they really want. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you learn to sequence your business. It doesn't mean you don't get to do all of those things and close the gaps in care. You learn how to sequence them to be more effective. What a great, great example. Well, you've provided several examples and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to over-engineer. It's, it's easy to prescribe without listening. And, um, and so now you guys have some, some great learnings to implement from that. And I love the word that you use, sequence. You know, it doesn't mean you're not going to be able to help folks take care of themselves. It's just a matter of how you do it, when you do it. And that's uh, also very valuable. So what, what would you say the other side of that coin is Tim, what's one of the proudest experiences you've had? Something you guys did really right. They really are caught up in everyday stories impacting people's lives and having the opportunity. Uh, the amazing thing is those people that's lives you've impacted now that we've been at this for, for three years in Philadelphia and we're expanding to New Jersey. But now there's some people joining our team. And I, I think having patients that want to join our team in roles is one of the things that that just means the most to me when I hear that. And the second side of that is having and watching caregivers uh, develop. And that's a hard thing to see happen because we're very regimented, we're very factory oriented. I mean, there's tailorism built into the whole healthcare model and and it's uh, supported by certifications and licensure and scope of practice model. But to see caregivers develop and realize, I can do this. And this whole myth of top of my license, which I'm really not trained for and is the least profitable thing for most people to do, they make money at the bottom of their license generally, is to see them really want to do that and the joy they get. And so the development on both sides have been kind of the coolest thing we're seeing. And I think that's what we want to see more of is how do we, we develop people within the organization to have this mindset. Now, I've also been told that I've ruined people that can no longer work anywhere else. Because once, and I think it's my, well, my favorite quote that Oliver Wendell Holmes says, a mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. And I, you know, I ripped through that. But if you think about it, there's a lot there to unpack. And I think oh, yeah. that's what we're trying to create here in both areas for both uh, the members that we're caring for and with and the caregivers that, that are uh, part of the organization. So, no, that's re- really insightful. And, uh, and so what would you say today, Tim, is an exciting project or focus that you're working on? Well, I'm, I'm most excited about these in-community care teams that we're deploying uh-huh. alongside where we have, you know, clinic resources and we're leveraging technology. But I'm really excited to be meeting members and exploring ways to be more effective and our whole approach is that that, uh, the, that is where we're going to integrate behavioral health and address the social determinant of health. So that's kind of the new thing we're, we're working on. I think it's not that everything we're doing is new. It's that we're bringing it across an entire solution that leverages technology, leverages human interaction in the community, and has resources for you in a clinic when you need that type of setting. And so that's the piece that we're most excited about. And the connect, the, the fact that technology now allows us to be completely connected in every one of those, each of those areas that I mentioned. 
So when you're in the community, you can be working in the same instance of a record as someone in a clinic or someone in an office somewhere and all working on the same goal for the same member and seeing that is really, really valuable. So we're, we're excited about that, but I'm most excited about the work we're doing in the community. That's exciting, super impactful. I'm definitely interested in seeing how that project unfolds, uh, Tim. So maybe maybe we link up again in, in about a year or so to hear how that resulted. Let's pretend you and, and I, I hope as outcomes rocket though, sorry to interrupt you. No, as please. outcomes rocket, I hope you lead with tell me the health outcomes you made. That's the real uh we can be as passionate as we want, but I'll get back to my first statement. I want to make sure we're improving the health status of these of the populations we're so lucky to serve. And that's absolutely what it boils down to. So yeah, excited to hear about those results, Tim. So um We'll definitely bring you back on if you're up for it here in, in, in about a year or so. We'd love to hear how that goes. Right now, we're going to do a little um, 101 course. It's a lightning round. So we're going to build a course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare. And so, Tim, what's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Proactively engage people. Get the, in front of poor health. Awesome. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? It's a corollary, uh, reactive sick care. Stop doing it. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Culture. You have to build a culture that attracts great people and allows them to do great work. Love that. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, um, I think, by Drucker. Uh, he says, uh, culture will eat strategy for lunch any day. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization, Tim? Yeah, I I think we are very purpose-driven. And that purpose is, is we we talk about improving health, but the reality is we really are driven by this idea of the opportunity disparity that exists in this country. And it's really driven by um, multi-generational poverty. And that's the core driver is opportunity disparity and how do we change that? So we're, we're constantly driven by that. And I think without a purpose, a big purpose like that, uh, then you know, it's really hard to do this work because it's frustrating and you have to be persistent. And there's really, uh, you, you, hit, you are going against a very strong ecosystem. As I say, the, the current healthcare ecosystem treats anything new like a virus and attacks it. And so you've got to be resilient and you can't be without a strong purpose and a strong culture to support that. What book would you recommend to the listeners? My favorite book, uh, The Culture Code by Clotaire Rapai. Huh. Love that. Haven't heard that one before. So uh, folks, The Culture Code, uh, we'll provide a link to that one here. Tim, thank you for that. We'll also give you this, uh, this syllabus that we constructed with you along with the full transcript of the discussion. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash ampersand and you'll find it all there. Tim, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share your closing thoughts and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow you. Sure. You know, my best advice to people is stop talking about it and just start doing it. Uh, the more we, we do things with the right intention, the better results we'll get. And you can find me at Tim at ampersand-health.com is my email or uh, look us up uh, online. Outstanding, Tim. Hey, this has been a pleasure. Truly appreciate you spending time with us. Great. Thank you, Saul. It's been my pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.